You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forte the last couple off seasons. I mean, you look at Brooks Reed, Robert Alford, these guys that, uh, you know, for whatever reason, teams are willing to part ways with them to create a little bit more cap space. And they just haven't, they haven't translated for the Cardinals. They haven't made an impact. So I don't know. I think you'd be better off looking at the market as guys who wanted to test free agency uh, and kind of find their big payday and find guys in their prime instead of a 32-year-old Kwan Short in those yeah, types. I would agree with Bo. I think that Steve Kime, especially in that 20, what was it, 2019 offseason when he had the number one waiver priority and he picked up all of those veterans and, and seemingly all of them were disastrous pickups. DJ Swearinger was cut midseason after the Cardinals picked him up. Um, you, you mentioned uh, some of the some of the other names, so I, I just think that the Cardinals would be best served to again identify areas where they would like to improve, and then and they do this rank it like you have a draft board, rank your potential fits, and I I do think that while they don't have a, a robust number of cap space, there's only about three or four teams that have that gluttony of cap space, and then there's a there's that middle mix that you know ten to twenty million freed up right now until we know the definitive number. And then there are the teams that are in the cellar that have to shed at a rapid pace. So I think they can still be aggressive um, and add some premium talent this offseason. I wouldn't, if I'm a fan of this team, wouldn't worry so much about, you know, who has cap space and who doesn't as it relates to the Cardinals. Just know that they've left themselves enough flexibility, especially with these impending moves that we, you know, forecast here in the coming weeks or months that they're going to make and, and release, that they'll be able to add, I would say, three to four nice quality additions in free agency. And that could in, it also include a trade. Yeah. I mean, and, and you look at, you know, the, the backdoor excitement here of the NFL potentially pushing through some money to the 2021 cap with their new TV deal that's set to come into effect in a year or two. That would be super exciting to where it's just everybody gets free money. Everybody gets money that you weren't necessarily expecting with the potential dip going into the 2021 season just subsiding with, with the new TV money potentially getting pushed forward. This is where we're finally going to see how much clout Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins have and Buda Baker has with bringing in free agents. Who's going to look and say, you know what, I want Kyler Murray throwing me the ball. Who's going to say, I want to play with Buda Baker. I want to play with Isaiah Simmons. I want to play on a defense that has that offense as my as my tag team partner because what what the Arizona Cardinals haven't had for the better part I mean definitely since BA, BA left was any sort of juice from free agency where they were a sought after place that people wanted to go play at and it's kind of been that way through the extent of the you know the of the established Arizona Cardinals franchise as a whole it's just it'll be interesting to see how much how much clout Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins will have with luring free agents in and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see because this is really the time where the Cardinals got to 
crap or get off the pot. You know, I mean, this is it. This is year three of Kyler Murray's rookie scale contract. This is DeAndre Hopkins, you know, so, supplanting Larry Fitzgerald as the number one wide receiver for here and hopefully for the extent of DeAndre Hopkins' career. So this is the time where free agency has to be immaculate and they have to make all the right moves regardless of how much salary cap space they have. And just trying to bargain shop, that's just not going it, to – it just hasn't paid off for the team so far. And it was kind of his calling card early on. You know, it was those training camp ads where we saw the Jonathan Abrahams and, and types like that. I, and they just haven't – he hasn't had the same Midas touch with those guys. And I think it's just you got to take a different approach. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the, to, you have to be aggressive. You, you still have to be aggressive. And, you know, I don't know if it's uh, – <clears throat> I think we identified it. I was talking to Blake on on the crossover for Revenge of the Birds, the Art O2TB podcast. Wow, struggled saying that. But um, he, uh, I, you know, where Steve Kime has had success is trading for talent. He's he's had a lot of success getting out there and seeing the guys that are available on the trade market. And you'd be actually pretty hard-pressed to find a trade that Steve Kime didn't win. That's that's where he's had success in accumulating talent. It hasn't been, hey, this guy's you know in his thirties. Let's kick the tires and see what he has left in the tank because you know the it's 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 usually been they don't have much left, if anything. Yeah, I would also add to that that when he's gone out and identified a player early in free agency that they want and. I can only think of two instances where they've kind of gone big fish diving in free agency, not in the trade market, but they've come out that first wave of free agents that Adam Schefter reports the first 24 to 48 hours. When he grabbed Jared Valdir that first year uh, following the 2013 season, so they brought him in in 2014, that was a big deal. The Raiders allowed him to hit free agency. The Cardinals swooped in, and he was a really stable presence for them on the offensive line. I would consider that a hit. And whatever you think about Mike Ayupati in 2015, that that contract that he signed didn't work out on the back end. But he made a Pro Bowl that year in their most successful season um, since Kurt Warner led them to the Super Bowl. So I would say that those are the two instances that stand out to me that were just like those are those were premium free agents, top 10 free agents that he came in and and signed immediately. We really haven't seen him do that since then. It's kind of been these mid-tier guys that haven't worked out. Of course, you guys mentioned the Jonathan Abrams of the world, the Dwight Freenies, where he's best at signing guys is, is late in the process, right? The Kelvin Beecham's of the world, finding value later on. And I still think we'll see that. But I, this would be the first time if you were to, to come out, the, you know, guns a blazing and free agency and sign one of this, these premium guys since that Mike Ayupati signing in 2015. Every, everything else has kind of been like the Jordan Phillips, goodness, the Terrell Suggs, the mid-tier guys. Um, and, and I would also agree that, you know, if we look at the landscape of the trade market, I feel like it's going to be the most robust in, in recent history around the league because so many teams now are open to dealing picks for players. And, and you mentioned it there. The only the only trade I can, I can remember him not winning, you'd have to go back to his first year on the job. And he traded um, Anthony Sherman, I think, for Javier Arenas to Kansas City. And Sherman went on to make several Pro Bowls in, in Casey and is a really good player for them but outside of that I mean even you know with Kenyon Drake not producing what you hoped for this year that was still a win but to try to throw away fifth round pick to give them a stable presence especially the second half of Kyler's rookie season 
So I, I'm with you guys. He is able not only to identify trades and win them, but the cost has not been at a premium. You look at what Seattle has, has given up for a box safety in Jamal Adams. You know, Jalen Ramsey, that, that deal looks like it's paying off for L.A., but they had to give up multiple first-round picks. I mean, Kime has never had to do that. And you could push back and say that, well, his first-round picks are anything to write home about, so maybe it's time to throw, throw some gasoline on the fire and dangle pick 16. And I would agree that I think that that is, that is something they should explore. I just I don't know right now the player that's available, and we could hear more, that would, would fit a, a, you know, a, a first-round price tag. I just In prior off-seasons, we had heard about Jamal Adams and Jalen Ramsey and some of these other guys. Right now, in the Khalil Max of the world, right now, that's just not feasible. I do think, though, there will be a, a very robust market to deal day two picks for really good players. You know, you we, we talked about Marshawn Lattimore on our, our um, live stream last week. That's the name I'm infatuated with just because of his reputation, his age. I don't think he's going to cost you pick 16 given the contract you're going to have to pay him. And the fact that he had a down year for himself this past year. Um, but he's only 24 years old. So, I mean, if there is that, that showstopper name that we don't think is available, that becomes available, then I would definitely be totally content, content dealing pick 16. But um, right now it just doesn't look like that player is available. So day two picks, I think that's where Kimes made his bread and butter with Hopkins and Chandler Jones. And then, of course, Carson Palmer for a couple throwaway day three picks. So you, you you can take it to the bank that you, he's at least going to get some production out of trading for a, a star player. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, locked on Cardinals. Johnny Venerable from Revenge of the Birds doing the second leg of the crossover edition that we have here. Uh, you can check out Bo and the Revenge of the Birds with Blake Murphy. I feel Blake uh, is kind of missing out here. He could have had him come on too. Um, coming up next... And you'll be able to listen to this on the podcast when it's posted in about an hour from now. Daniel Jeremiah, one of the best in the business with mock drafts. He has the Arizona Cardinals taking somebody that Bo may not necessarily agree with, but I do. And that's my favorite type of mock draft. We will talk about that next, Locked on Cardinals. But first, it's time to talk about our friends at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fast and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but college basketball and the NHL are in full swing. NBA, there's games all the time. March Madness is coming up. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. There's real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Welcome back. Locked on Cardinals, Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, and Johnny Venerable from Revenge of the Birds. All talking here, we... Rip through options for the Cardinals, what they need to do with the open ca- uh, salary cap space. Uh, one one more thing to, to put a button on that. Bargain buys aren't going to get the Cardinals to where they where they need to be. And that's, that, that's going to be an issue. And I, I, you're right. With Steve Keim, the bargain things at the end of with the Kelvin Beachams, et cetera, that's where he's made his bread. But, I mean, the Cardinals need high-impact guys, and, and that's the difficult part of the situation they're in right now, where if they only have they only have three picks, that, or they have four picks, they don't have a fourth or a sixth-round pick uh, in this year's draft, unless you're going to trade for proven talent with one of those picks, 
you've got to have B minus or B level talent. You just can't bring in a Kelvin Beecham and hope that he's going to be the bookend all year like he was. So that that's a difficult part for this offseason. And, you know, pending who they're going to release and what salary cap relief they'll get from that. And if the salary cap inevitably goes up because of the TV deal, it'll change things. But, Bo, it's not going to be bargain buys buying them wins this year. They're they're past that part of their the progression of of everything. They're they're going to need high impact guys, and that's the issue they're going to face. Yeah, I mean they need to get the equipment necessary to compete at the at the level. Like as far as if you're to use the analogy, as far as uh, you know car racing, you know it's probably poor poor analogy, but like you need to have you know your car souped up enough to compete with the other the other ones, especially in your division, the Arizona Cardinals don't have that. And you're not going to find that. Like you, you need to start playing with the big boys. And in order to do that, you have to start winning and getting involved in this arms race. It's, it's not going to go, Hey, you know, here are a couple spare parts here. Let's just throw them in there and just see if they have anything left in the tank. I mean, that's, that's just not a sound approach for the Arizona Cardinals, especially at this stage in the rebuild. It's fine if you're finding like stop at stop gap guys when you were a three-win team, when you were a five-win team. Now it's just like you need guys, you need stars, you need, you know, proven commodities to help you get over the hump. Now, you know, the conversation we had yesterday, like, should they be aggressive or should they be a little bit more content uh, because they were so close? But I, I think aggress- you have to be aggressive at least with the available – salary cap dollars you have. It's not like you're going to go spread it out and you're going to find five players instead of one or two. I think you, the Cardinals at this point would benefit from finding two bona fide guys. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think the age old saying where you to compete for a Super Bowl, you have to have something to the effect of like 10 pro bowlers on your roster, five on each side of the ball. And then the next tier would be, you can't have any glaring liabilities. The Cardinals, not only they don't have 10 pro bowlers on their team, but then they have huge liabilities on their defensive line in their secondary. You know, you could argue at the opposite inside linebacker spot to Isaiah Simmons, you know, what is, you know, the interior offensive line look like. So I, I would agree. I think that the middling depth signings are very much a, thing of the past and I just don't think you can afford to do that in the NFC West I mean you look at how aggressive Seattle was making an in-season trade for somebody like Carlos Dunlap on top of dealing away capital for Jamal Adams everything the Rams do screams aggressive nature they're, they're not interested in these low tier signings high reward and then you'll say what you want about San Francisco you know they traded picks for Jimmy Garoppolo they traded picks for D Ford you know they traded to Forrest Buckner away to get an additional first round pick they hit on that so while their approach as compared to the rest of the division, maybe a little unconventional, it's working for them. And I think most people assume that they're going to go, you know, big fish hunting or big sea hunting or whatever you want to call it for a quarterback, whether it's a Deshaun Watson, God forbid, or a Kirk Cousins. So yeah, the Cardinals aren't going to get by. You're scrolling down on the top 50 free agents for PFF and you're hitting on, you know, guys in the forties. That's not what's going to do it this year. I I would agree with both of you. I think that the, the sense of urgency has to be, we're going to be able to bring in guys at this position because number one, their liabilities previously, the, the people that occupied that spot. And number two is we just need more high end talent. And there's a concern with your, your roster getting too top heavy, but I do think that they've shown last year that they can be competitive with just about everybody. I mean, outside of the Buffalo game and maybe the San Francisco game in week 16, they didn't look like overly dejected to the point where they just weren't competitive. 
And that's great. They've gotten to that point. But you guys mentioned it last week. It's like, how do you get over that average 7-9, 8-8 hump? It's with high-end talent that can carry you and maybe carry a coach right now that's a little bit of a liability. So, like, finding an impact interior offensive lineman, a very competent number two receiver, an explosive running back, a disruptive five technique on the defensive line, a number one lockdown corner that's, you know, in the prime of his career in his 20s. Like, any of those things can help you get over the hump. And I would argue all of those things are going to be available here in the next two months. So, I'm with you. I think that you're much better off taking the limited cap space that you may have, especially after some of these cuts, and investing that in two to three high-end players rather than saying, well, we're going to sprinkle it here and there to five, six, seven, eight guys. So to me, I, I think that that gives you more of what you had, and I'd argue that you could be even worse off because the schedule won't break like it did a year ago. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's yeah. there's a difference between free agents that can't get jobs and free agents that are cap casualty free agents. And there's going to be a lot of them this year, and the Cardinals are going to have to sift through and see what they can do with the salary cap space they have. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, uh, one of the best in the business, um, he put out a mock draft, his second mock draft, put it out earlier this morning. Uh, Really interesting. This is different than everything that we've seen so far. Caleb Farley goes to 9 ahead of Patrick Sertain, who goes to 10 with the Dallas Cowboys. It could potentially go back to our conversation about we don't know what Alabama defensive players are. Because they have such a high potent uh, offense that they're playing against, it could be all it's all opportunistic. It doesn't matter. You get burned for a 70-yard touchdown, Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith are coming right back and scoring in less time than the opposing team scored. So that's interesting. Um, Micah Parsons, he, he has him going seven to Detroit, so that's far away. Kyle Pitts is top six, but he has the Cardinals taking Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard from USC. Uh, listen, this would fill a need. And this goes back to Bowen Mai's conversation that we've had for the last couple weeks. He thinks corner, I think offensive lineman, and we both understand that there are way more needs than just that, but you can only draft one player per pick. And barring any sort of trade back, which I'm starting to talk myself into, I still think offensive line is the right choice when you can potentially bring in another offensive lineman during free agency, and then you have a strength going into the regular season. But when you see offensive linemen there, I know that – you understand, obviously, that offensive line is definitely a position of need as well. But when you see an offensive lineman taken by the Cardinals at 16, what are your initial thoughts? I just want to straighten things out. Like I think if it's you're taking a guy like J.C. Horn even at 16, it's the same as taking Vera Tucker or one of the other offensive linemen that would be available at that spot. I don't think you're maximizing the value of the 16th overall pick. If that's the case, trade down. Try to create, you know, add some more assets to your uh, draft capital at that point if you're going to take somebody that's not the 16th best player on the board. So that's where kind of I stand as, as far as that goes. I would rather see them take a, a, a Jalen Waddle or you know whatever wide receiver is available, a guy that's going to make a huge impact, and then you can find those guys in rounds two and three where you're like, okay, we can just plug and play him uh, and his value. You're not just kind of punting on the value there. That's, well, let, let that's, me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So what do you say to people, and we've talked about this a lot on this show. Okay, so say they trade down, and we're, yeah. I'm, I'm again, I'm starting to talk myself into this. What do you say to people that say if Steve Kime can't make the draft picks he has already, what makes you think 
that trading back, potentially missing out on the 16th best player in the draft, that you trust him to make another third-round pick or a second-round pick next year or whatever the, the trade package would be? I just think it's a it's kind of a loser's approach. It's like, pff, can't get it right. You know, might as well just take what we think is the most going to be the most reliable down the stretch. Like, I'm going to take this Toyota Tercel that has 150,000 miles on it because I know that uh, it's not going to cost me a bunch of money in the shop like this sports car is going to do. I like, I don't, I don't like that at all. It's like you can find an impact maker. You just have to put in the scouting. You have to, you have to do your due diligence. Not to say that the Cardinals aren't doing that, but just because they've missed out doesn't mean that they need to completely take themselves out of the game. Like they need, it, like this is such a crucial spot as far as this rebuild's concerned. They need an impact maker. And going and getting a guy that can just start, that's not enough for me. Like, like if you can find a starting guard, that's fine. But if you can find a guy that's a that's a game-breaking wide receiver or tight end or running back or whatever it might be, I'm not I'm not tabbing anybody right now as far as the prospects are concerned because we're st- we still got a long way to go in this draft process. But yeah, I, I just think that that's a that's kind of a loser's mentality. They need to drop that, and I, I don't even think the organization. Ha- I hope they don't have that. Uh, but I hope Steve Kimes willing, if he's going to stick and pick, to take a guy worthy of the 16th pick. And if he's going to trade back, like you also can't have that mentality. It was like, well, I traded back. I got assets before and I didn't do crap with them. It, I mean, it's still, you know, a blind squirrel can find a nut. And there's a lot of cliches in that. But, you know, you gotta have a, you've got to have a, a better, more confidence and self-respect for yourself that you're going to make the right picks regardless of what you do. Yeah, and I'd argue that with Steve Kimes draft history being muddled at best, his best successes are on day two. I mean, Buda Baker, I, I'm high on Byron Murphy. Yes. There's the Andy Isabella's the Chad Williams, but I mean, once upon a time, Tyron Matthew, David Johnson, John Brown, those are all day two picks, assuming that this is a trade back snare on which you're going to get maybe a second or a third. Um, I kind of does better for whatever reason on day two. And I would also say in this draft in particular, I don't see a big difference right now with picks you know, 20 to 40. Uh, the, the, there's only so many elite and high-end talent. This this year's draft is so muddled with everything that went on in the kind of limited college football season that we got. You're, you're, you really are guessing. So, you know, I don't know if there's going to be an opportunity to trade down just because, you know, outside of those premium quarterbacks and, you know, two to three to four really high-end for sure players, um, I don't know if there's going to be an appetite for, for teams to guess and jump up. I, I think that that's why we're going to see more teams trade picks for players in March than to go into this ultimate crapshoot in April. But I would agree with Bo. I, I just think that, uh, first of all, with, with this particular player, and I'm not going to nitpick a guy in February, and this could change, but, I mean, it's, this is a left tackle from a down conference in the Pac-12, sliding over to guard at the, at the next level. Everything that I've read and seen, that he's his own blocking guard. I, I want somebody who's a mauler on the inside. I don't get that presence from Tucker. Um, and I also don't want to do a transition for a, uh, my first-round pick. I, I want a plug-and-play guy that's going to come in right away. And we've seen guards. I know that they're the Quint Nelsons of the world, but we've seen other players come in and have a high-end ceiling right away as a rookie guard. I don't get that feeling from Vera Tucker. Um, that's just that's just my opinion. I, I would hate the pick. Uh, I don't love it at 16, and I'm with Bo. I think that, listen, the two picks, the two of the three picks right before were Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. If you're Steve Kime and both of those guys are available, I, I would be more um, excited about dealing picks to jump up and grab one of those guys 
And for people saying, well, how much how much investment can you make on the receiver position? Well, I think you do it until you get it right. Even if they sign a free agent wide receiver of compliment in, in March, which I expect them to do, think about the landscape of that position, what it could look like next year. Larry, I expect Larry Fitzgerald to retire this, this offseason. We haven't heard that for certainty. Andy Isabella could be outright cut before the season. Christian Kirk's going into a contract here and has shown you no no ability to to you know be a consistent thousand yard receiver as a former second round pick. So like there could be a realistic scenario in which your top three receivers going into you know the fall of 2022 are Hopkins, somebody like Marvin Jones, and Jalen Waddle. That that's very realistic. And you're especially going to get somebody like Waddle or Smith in this scenario on a cheap rookie five-year deal, which you could then pay a premium to guys like Hopkins and somebody like a Corey Davis, or, you know, I'm just speculating. So, you know, you have to be thinking kind of in the future too. And then I just, I love the, the opportunity to insert some youth and athleticism at a position that I know will play right away for this team. Kingsbury, say what you want about him. He'll play the best positions on his team. And he was sitting Isabella toward the late in the year because he just realized this guy's not an NFL player or at least a starter. Whereas like, if you're taking a corner, like J.C. Horn went number 15 right above Arizona, right? Cornerback from South Carolina. I, I said this last week. Are we sure Vance Joseph's going to play him over some veteran players that have, you know, maybe a little bit more experience and know his scheme? Maybe, certainly not more athletic, athletic than Horn. But we know that if Devontae Smith gets drafted by the Cardinals, like he's starting and playing right away in three and four receiver sets. He's getting snaps and targets. And I think that that was – one of the most frustrating things that we saw this year with the Isaiah Simmons situation, when Isaiah Simmons didn't play the majority of the snaps on defense, and then you're watching you know, Tristan Wurst play every snap at right tackle, be baptism by fire, he was solid early in the year, and then late in the year, he's a borderline all-pro, right? Same with CeeDee Lamb, got better each week. They let him work through his rookie mistakes, and then he, I, I, nobody would be surprised if he went for 1,000 yards this year. Isaiah Simmons were high on him. He's still a relatively unknown commodity because of the reluctancy from Vance Joseph to play him. And so that's why I just think that that, that has to be taken into account if you're Steve Kime. If you're Steve Kime and you know your defensive coordinator, outside of the occasional rotational defensive lineman, is not too keen on playing rookies in his back seven, I would be much more aggressive looking at the offensive side by knowing Kingsbury needs to work in some more athletic options. Um, and, you know, as for a guard at 16, again, it's not my my favorite choice. You know, I've got flashbacks to Jonathan Cooper at seven blowing up in their face. I, I, I know that this is a different scenario entirely. But, you know, Justin Murray has been in the system. This will be his third year. I fully expect him to start at right guard. And they're not cut. if they cut Justin Pugh, it would be done well before the draft. So, like, you're not drafting this kid at 16, and he's not supplanting Justin Pugh. So where are you playing him in year one? My guess is he's not playing. He's your sixth lineman, which is, again, unacceptable. So these are scenarios that you have to work out, and I I get it. You can go BPA at 16, not if you're the Cardinals. You need your player at 16 to have a definitive, clear role in 2021, unlike some of the first-rounders of the past, for you to be successful and not lose your job if you're Cliff Kingsbury and and I think they know that for the first time in a while. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and to piggyback, going back to our conversation uh, last segment, if you do decide to trade back, you know, if there's not a guy that you like there, you can get another second or third round pick this year. You could then parlay that into a player 
So you wouldn't have to give up a draft pick that you have. If you want to trade for Marshawn Lattimore, you can use the worse or the better, the higher of the second round picks that you have inevitably to parlay it into Marshawn Lattimore. So there's a lot more options there and not just having to draft another guy. Going back to my initial question about Steve Kime making more picks than what the Cardinals already have. There's a couple names that Pro Football Focus had with mock trades. Uh, None of them are going to the Cardinals but the stock for these players are very interesting if the Cardinals wanted to get in the mix. We'll talk about that next. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock from Locked on Cardinals, and Johnny Venerable from Revenge of the Birds. We're back after this. But first, it's time to talk about our friends at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business that's been around for 20 years. It's online. You don't have to go to the chain storefront place and say, you know what, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where this part is. Can you help me? You don't have to be embarrassed. You don't have to feel awkward. I do when I go in because I don't know anything about cars. And I can go to rockauto.com and I can buy carpet for my car. I can buy taillights. And it just shows you everything you need. It's so easy to use, so easy to navigate. The prices are reliably low. They're the same for manufacturers and do-it-yourselfers like me. So you don't have to pay you know, an upcharge just because you're doing it online or just because you're a do-it-yourselfer and not a manufacturer. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Final segment, Locked On Cardinals, Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Thank you to everybody who listens. Our, Our numbers took a little dip right after the season ended, but they've come up strong, and we've, I mean, we're... We were up 200%, right, Bo? 216%, I think, was the number over last year with our listen. So thank you to everybody who listens. We appreciate it. Um, You know, Bo and I go back and forth. We talk a lot of crap, but uh, we really appreciate everybody who's here. And um, we just want to build this and make this the best podcast possible. Thank you to Johnny for joining us. We're going to be doing a lot of crossovers with them, with him and Blake Murphy from... Revenge of the Birds. We have a great time. We did an hour and 20 minutes last Friday. We were thinking about doing about 45 or so, and the conversation was just so good that we didn't want to stop. So we'll be doing one of those a month potentially. We still have to iron out the details, but a lot of Cardinals conversation coming this uh, you know this offseason for them before the draft, before the free agency and draft. So Pro Football Focus uh, put out 10 trades that make sense for the 2021 NFL season. There's one, you know, for Deshaun Watson, one for Marcus Mariota. The ones that matter to me, there are three guys that they have on the move for not as much draft capital as you would think. Three guys, and we'll talk about each one. Zach Ertz, they have going to Buffalo for a 2021 sixth-round pick. Stephon Gilmore, they have going to the Browns for a 2021 third and a 2022 sixth, which isn't a lot. He's only making $7.3 million um, against the cap this year. And the third one is an interesting one. We've been talking about wide receivers. Michael Gallup, they have going to Miami for a 2021 third and a 2021 fourth. So of those three guys, uh, Michael Gallup is probably the one that's out the most, but He's a young guy. He's the forgotten kid after CeeDee Lamb got drafted. And with Dak Prescott uh, shattering his, his leg, you know, he, there's a lot of question marks as to who, what the pecking order is going to be in Dallas. Let's start with Gallup. That'll probably be the, the shortest conversation. Bo, would you give a third round pick this year for Michael Gallup? Yeah, I would. I you think would. it makes the most sense out of those three guys you, you mentioned because the other two guys, it's 
their contracts are too expensive. That's that's why they're going for such a low, like a lower pick. I mean, Zach Ertz. I think Philly, if they can't get anything in return for him, they're probably just going to outright release the guy. I I just don't imagine like that's the reason these guys are tied to low picks. Stephon Gilmore, we we approached this conversation last uh, trade deadline. It's right. just the guy makes too much money. Um, it's and you it's going to take more than one player. Uh, you know, Gilmore's in the same situation as is Patrick Peterson. I, I think it's just you, you can't pay those guys that much money for the production you're going to get. So Gallup's the one guy that intrigues me. Can he be the guy, you know, opposite DeAndre Hopkins? Maybe, maybe. I, I don't even know the answer to that. I think it, it just intrigues me enough to where a third-round pick, you know, could, you know, he, he would definitely supersede the production you would get potentially from a third. I would go... A resounding yes. I think that that is one of the better options the Cardinals have, and I would not be surprised to see them sniff around this market if they deemed the free agent wide receiver market, number one, too expensive from a dollar standpoint, and number two, too risky with guys health permitting. The Corey Davises, the Sammy Watkins, you know, does Kenny Galladay get tagged? Does Allen Robinson get tagged? I I think this this is very much, in my opinion, like the Robert Woods acquisition that the Rams made a couple of years ago. This is somebody that's going to come into your offense and consistently produce 900 to 1,100 yards receiving. Think about what he did last year in his second year at 23 years old for the Dallas Cowboys. Almost 17 yards per catch with over 1,100 yards and six touchdowns in a very, yes, pass-happy offense like you would be getting in Arizona. But now he would be the clear-defined number two outside of, of DeAndre Hopkins and still very competent numbers this year, a little over 800 yards with the Andy Daltons of the world. I mean, they had very horrific QB stat lines at certain points of the season, especially when Dalton went out with a concussion. So it says the third and the fourth, I would be comfortable with that. Then the question becomes though, what do you do at corner? You're probably more than likely because Gallup would, would need an extension at some point because his cap limitation this year is I think it's like one year 2.8 million or 2.3 million so you wouldn't have to pay him right now then you have to go out and pivot resign a Patrick Peterson um and then I guess you could you could be more of you know aggressive in the first round maybe try to take a, a high-end corner but I just think that it trading away a third I, it wouldn't stop me from trading away my second and getting somebody competent to come in and play corner I just think that if you're trading picks for a receiver you're more than likely going to have to spend money on it like a Jason Verrett uh somebody like that whereas the 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 Marshawn Lattimore pipe dream of mine would would likely be dead but Gallup at 24 years old that is that and just a proven NFL commodity that you know could come in and his team is is not allowing him to walk I mean like the only reason he's leaving is because of the the CeeDee Lamb fell into their lap had he not they would absolutely extend him. Whereas a lot of these free agent wide receivers, there's legitimate question marks and the guys without question marks, they're going to be retained somehow by their team, at least for another season. So um, I actually like this the most. I'll agree with Bo that the earth situation does not appeal to me at all. Um, but Gallup at 24, 17 yards per catch last year. That's exactly what Arizona needs. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock locked on Cardinals. Johnny Venerable from Revenge of the Birds. Thanks Johnny for joining us, man. This was fun. And we will be uh, we'll be doing Absolutely. it again soon. Hang on. Thanks, guys, for having me. I appreciate it. Hope to do it again soon. And uh, Bo and I will talk to you tomorrow. Locked on Cardinals.